You're listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang, founder of Moxie Club. When you're looking for lasting weight loss, join us here for the mindset you need, a dash of inspiration, and stories that will bring it all to life. Episode number 13. Well, hey there, Amy here. How are you doing today? I have no idea how many days we are into this pandemic at this point, but I've been really struck by the extremes in terms of how people are being impacted by and responding to this moment. So on the one hand, there are those who are still going to work or able to work from home. They may or may not have kids at home. And then on the other hand, there are those who are out of work now or business owners, especially if you have a brick and mortar, who clearly have financial stress on top of the fear and uncertainty surrounding COVID-19. And then there are those who are perhaps retired, like my parents, who are essentially fighting boredom and miss playing with their grandkids. So there are clearly big differences in terms of how people are being impacted by both the pandemic and by the economic shutdown. At the same time, I have also noticed striking differences in terms of how people are responding. So they can be in roughly the same situation, and yet some are thriving while others are suffering and feeling overwhelmed by the stress and the anxiety and the fear. So what's the difference? Well, there are two pieces of advice that I keep hearing from mental health professionals. One, to focus on what you can control, and two, to make sure that you put routines in place. As a matter of fact, when I was preparing for today's podcast, I saw a really funny post on Facebook with the following caption. Experts recommend keeping your daily rituals even while working from home. And the picture is of a man fully dressed with headphones looking at his phone while standing in his bathroom holding onto the shower curtain rod with his free hand. (laughs) So I'm guessing he represents someone who rides the subway, in case my description wasn't helpful there. So we do not get to have this moment back. No matter how you look at it, whether you're grateful and it's an extended staycation and it's time you get to spend with family that really is precious Or you're working from home and you're trying to make the best of it. Whatever your situation is, we don't get this moment back. So I would challenge all of you who are listening to come up with an intention. What do you want to do with this time? I don't know whether businesses in the state that you're in are going to be opening in the next week or so. Or if you're in one of those states where 
it may be another month. And even then, we are going to be dealing with a new normal for at least a while. The public health and epidemiologists and virologists who are actually putting out there that this may be a two-year thing that we're dealing with. So what I want to talk about today is what routines do we want to put in place? And I want to focus specifically on exercise because of all the benefits that come from that. So when I talk about exercise, let's make sure that we have a working definition here. Okay, I am really focused more on becoming physically fit. So I'm not prescribing any particular kind of exercise, just that we are moving our bodies more. So you've all heard the benefits that are touted about exercise, right? It lowers blood pressure. It helps with reducing heart disease. It boosts our metabolism. It can help reduce stress. It helps with type 2 diabetes in both the prevention as well as the management. It supports our immune system. When we stay strong, it helps to prevent falls. It helps our memory, our cognitive function, even sleep. So whether we're talking about this pandemic, which again may be around for two years, or we're talking about whatever's going to happen afterwards, I want us to focus on playing the long game here. And if this pandemic's actually going to be around for two years, and we talk about what the risk factors are, those things that I just talked about, those underlying conditions, we can do something about that. Maybe not just in a week, but again, remember, they're talking about this particular coronavirus being around for maybe two years. So if we start creating habits today, those will serve us not just tomorrow, but the day after, three months from now, six months from now, a year from now. So this is really one of those things where there's no time like the present. And the reason why I really want to focus on exercise today is because there's a lot of research that indicates exercise is a keystone habit. So the definition of keystone habits, they are small changes or habits that people introduce into their routines that unintentionally carry over into other aspects of their lives. So keystone habits create a domino effect that change every area of your life. When I owned the health club and people started working out more, it made all the other habits that they wanted to put in place that much easier. I saw it happen over and over again. Now, let me be clear. When it comes to weight loss, it's still 80% about what you're eating and what you're drinking. 
but exercise is a good 20% of the equation. And it certainly helps with weight management. But more importantly, being fit is key to being healthy. Again, moving our body, which is what it was meant to do, makes everything else so much easier. So with all these great benefits, it's a no-brainer as to why we want to add exercise to our lifestyle, right? So then, why do so many people struggle with moving more? And the most common answers to that question is, I don't have time, or I don't have money, or I lack the motivation. And at the end of the day, motivation is probably where it starts. Because if you're motivated, if something is important to you, you will figure out how to make the time for it. And you will figure out how to make it happen, regardless of the cost. So now we are going to combine the learning cycle method with the habit loop. So if you've ever had to learn a choreographed routine, you know that you break things down into smaller steps before you put it all together. We are now going to put it all together. So when we look at the learning cycle method, and as a quick reminder, when I talk about the learning cycle method, we are combining the learning cycle with the abundance principle. If you need a refresher, I cover those in episode one, two, and three of this podcast. So we always start with the situation. Then we move to what our thoughts are about the situation. From there, it leads to our interpretation of the situation. So the meaning that we assign to it, which drives emotions that we have. Those can be positive or negative. And it's those emotions then that allow us or enable us to see what choices we have available to us and how we're going to respond. And it's those actions that we take that ultimately lead to the outcomes that we get. So again, we are not going to focus on the outcomes. Those are long-term. We don't really have control over those. We're going to focus instead on daily behaviors. Now, when I talk about the abundance principle, we always start with awareness of our thoughts. Are they serving us? Are they putting us in a state of scarcity and deprivation? Or... Are we benefiting from being in a state of abundance? If we recognize that it's scarcity, how can we reframe it so that we're coming from a place of abundance? And if you're lost right now, I encourage you to listen to episode number three, 50 Shades of Abundance. I go deep into this topic. All right. So Let's now focus on 
exercise. So what's the situation? How about I looked at the clock and it's now 6 p.m. And this is the time that I put on my calendar that I was going to go outside for a walk or to get my daily workout in, whatever it happens to be. Pretty straightforward, right? There's no drama there. It's all just facts. The thought is, well, what thoughts just popped into your head? Does the prospect of exercising feel like a chore, something you're supposed to do or should do, or does it feel like a gift, something you get to do? Now, if it feels like a chore, let's go back and look at your experience with exercise. Were you someone who, growing up, were the last person to be picked in gym class for a given team? So every time you think of exercise, you feel somehow inadequate or less than. Or is the only time exercise really comes into play when you want to lose weight or you've been told you need to lose weight. So then does exercise actually represent punishment for gaining weight? If that is the meaning that you assign to it. So again, the conversation in your head sounds something like, I hate exercise and I suck at it. And if I didn't have this weight to lose, I wouldn't be doing this. Any efforts that you put into working out will fade pretty quickly. Those thoughts make it unsustainable. So what we want to do is reframe what exercise means from being a chore to a gift. And I'm using these specific words because I am referencing the book No Sweat by Michelle Seegar. I want to make sure that you see how the abundance principle applies to her book. So if you want to get deeper into this whole, what does exercise mean? I highly recommend the book. Again, it's No Sweat by Michelle Seegar. She's actually a fellow University of Michigan alum. Her book is all about how to think about exercise and how to stay motivated. So this podcast is a tip of the hat to her. All right. So when you think about exercise, when you can get to the point where you see it as a gift to yourself, me time, or we talk about self-care habits, then the idea of exercise as a habit now can really take hold. And so then when you think about it as a gift, now the emotion is positive. Now the motivation is there. This is something I want. This is not something I should do or I'm supposed to do. This is something I want. How do I make this happen? So now when you look at the choices that are available to you, it's very easy to decide what you're going to do next. And coming up with a plan 
and a plan B for when things try to get in the way because life happens becomes that much easier as well. And when we focus on that behavior, moving our body, as opposed to an outcome like lowering my blood pressure or losing five pounds, we also get to focus on what we can control. And so if you're feeling stress or anxiety, the way to master that is to move into action. So when we respond to those positive emotions that come from looking at exercise as a gift, it becomes so much easier to align our thoughts with our interpretations, with our emotions, and then with our actions to get those outcomes that we want. And because we're looking at exercise as a habit, if you haven't listened to the episode about creating habits, I definitely recommend that you do that. It is episode number 11, How to Make Habits Stick. And so what we want to do when we are adding exercise as a habit is to figure out which ritual we want to focus on. So do which, in other words, which habit? Are we looking at something you do in the morning, in the afternoon, after work, or in the evening? And then when you look at the habit, you're going to again want to identify the reward. And if you can make it not just a reward, but a craving, something that you anticipate before you even get through the routine, then it ends up being about immediate gratification. It really makes it so much easier for that routine to stick. And because we're looking at an existing habit, that means that you can also figure out what the cue or the trigger is. And from there, all I got to do then is change up the routine that you have. And again, we want to make everything as specific as possible. So for example, if you were to add exercise into your after work routine, because you think that it will also help with reducing your stress, then what's the cue? The cue may very well be, okay, at six o'clock, I'm done with work. That's your cue. And my routine starts with closing my laptop. And what do you normally do as part of your wind down routine for work? Do you commute home? And then maybe the first thing you do after you change out of your work clothes into your comfy lounge clothes is pour yourself a glass of wine. So we know here that the reward from drinking alcohol is endorphins. So I touched on that a little bit when I talked about emotional eating. So the happy hormone of endorphins becomes the reward for drinking alcohol. Now remember, in creating a new habit, we actually want to keep the same reward. What other things can we do to trigger that endorphin rush? Well, we know that some intense exercise will also release endorphins in our body. So 
Here, I am not suggesting that you replace that glass of wine with exercise. What I would like to do is insert exercise first. And it could be something as simple as a quick 10-minute at-home workout. There are so many free online workouts available right now. Go find one that you like. Or if you follow us on Moxie Club on Facebook, or if you follow me on Instagram at amy.moxieclub, I'll be posting some resources, some great workouts that you can follow at home that take 7 to 10 minutes. And then once you've done that workout, if you want to go ahead and have that glass of wine, go ahead. But there's a good chance that because of the workout that you just did, you've already got your little endorphin rush and that desire to have a glass of wine will actually fade away. So it's not about avoiding something. You have, again, absolute permission to do what you want to do. I just want you to make an intentional choice here. So we talked about habits before where 95% of it is in your basal ganglia. It's an automatic thing. Only 5% of a habit takes place in your prefrontal cortex where you're making executive decisions. In the beginning, when you're creating a new habit, that's really what we're trying to do is create that muscle memory, if you will. So just to set expectations, you're going to be making some intentional decisions in the beginning, but then over time, and not that long, it does get easier and easier, and it becomes much, much more automatic. Now, I know when I explain this, it can sound pretty straightforward, but then when you start trying to apply it to your own habits and your own routines and your own thought processes, it can start getting pretty confusing pretty quickly. Just even being aware of your thoughts can sometimes be hard. That self-coaching is hard because you're so used to that conversation. So instead of getting really, really frustrated, please go to my website, go to the coaching tab on the main menu and schedule a free 20 minute mini session with me. Completely free, no strings attached. And know that I would be grateful and honored for the opportunity to serve and to be of help. And if you're thinking, yeah, right, 20 minutes isn't enough, I also have a 12-week coaching program called Worth the Wait. And I offer it four times a year. So depending on when you're listening to this, you may very well be coming up on the next one. So if this sounds like a better fit for you, then definitely go to my website and check that out. All right. In the next episode, given how important our happy hormones are as the reward for our routines in creating our new habits, I'm going to be taking a deep dive into happy hormones. So I'll wrap things up today with a quote by Mae West. We must fall in love with ourselves. I don't like myself. 
I'm crazy about myself. You've been listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang. If you enjoyed today's episode, by all means, hit the subscribe button now. If you're ready to get started, visit my website, moxieclub.com. That's M-O-X-I-E hyphen C-L-U-B dot com. And sign up for my free three-day course. And remember, making your choices when you're in a state of abundance is where the magic happens.